We start in Pittsburgh, where the town announced earlier today that there was a non-detect of 1,4-dioxane in the most recent round of testing on the town's water supply. That means they are in the clear to resume normal activity at the water treatment plant. They're also That also means that the free treated water from the Chatham Marketplace has once again concluded. Saturday marks the nine-year anniversary here in Chapel Hill of one of the town's darkest moments when a man murdered three college students at the Finley Forest condominiums. All three of those students, Dia Barakat, Yusser Abdu Salah, and Razan Abu Salah, were Muslim Americans killed in an apartment by a neighbor who claimed there was a parking dispute. Prosecutors for the case ultimately did not charge it as a hate crime, but a new documentary argues otherwise and shares the perspective of the Muslim community and the victims' families in the years since. 97.9 The Hills' Brighton McConnell had the chance to speak with the filmmaker. He filed this report. Tarek al-Baba grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, before moving out to California for his career in filmmaking and television. He was out on the West Coast in February 2015 when he heard about the shooting of Dia Barakat, Yusser Abu Salah, and Razan Abu Salah in Chapel Hill. He said he remembers the news, quote, spread like wildfire through group chats, phone calls, and conversations with friends and family in the tight-knit Muslim-American community. It's all about relatability and understanding as folks from immigrant communities and still clinging on to your faith and your identity and your culture. So when something like this happens, you're immediately going to feel for the family members. You're immediately going to, frankly, be be frightened about your own safety. A few years later, Al-Baba ran into a cousin who had been close to Barakat. The family member pushed Al-Baba to think about pursuing the trio's murder as a project, And after searching for interviews, reviewing evidence, and reenacting scenes, it turned into an eight-year endeavor. The project's title is 36 Seconds, A Portrait of a Hate Crime, a reference to the amount of time it took Craig Hicks to fatally shoot all three victims. In its initial release about the shooting in 2015, the Chapel Hill Police Department said the murders happened over a parking dispute. With evidence in court showing the trio of college students all being parked in correct spaces and Hicks's history of threatening more minorities than white neighbors in the apartment complex, the victim's families and filmmaker argue Hicks targeted the trio because of their religion. What they realized and what we all realized after digging into the research is that the current hate crime laws are outdated. Al-Baba said North Carolina's laws fall short in updating how to categorize and define such acts, with the current statute for hate crimes largely referring to acts from the Jim Crow and civil rights era. In the era of social media, clues can be pulled from more sources to establish how suspects feel about communities, something often pointed to in Hicks's case where he made social media posts railing against all religion. Here is Al-Baba. There is implicit bias. And so there's a huge gap in how the laws are written currently and what we're actually seeing on the ground. That was a huge systemic issue that they were introduced to. And it's, it's very complex. It's still complex. The filmmaker also points to biased coverage and roadblocks in the media calling out discrimination as hindering the greater public from reckoning with Hicks's crime. The murders happened at a time when Donald Trump was first running for the U.S. presidency, 
and Al-Baba pointed to the lack of addressing Islamophobia while covering Trump's platform and policy goals. Over the years, from speaking with family members and filming parts of Hicks's arraignment and sentencing for the film, the director got a close view of a family grappling with grief while stepping into activist roles. Now, with religious tensions peaking once again over the months-long war in Gaza, Al-Baba said the themes in the film have become even more prescient. These issues have not gone away. In fact, it's getting worse. And we're seeing upticks in, in hate. We're seeing another tumultuous election cycle in 2024. And you're going to see a lot of these Islamophobic and anti-Muslim tropes being surfaced again to rally up bases. And, you know, it's unfair to these family members in a way where they have to relive the trauma. After premiering at the Doc NYC Festival in New York last year, 36 Seconds is now doing a tour of impact screenings with stops in North Carolina. Triangle residents can catch a screening at the Carolina Theater in Durham Monday night, while the film will also screen in Cary on Tuesday and Raleigh on February 19th. Al-Baba said between the anniversary of Barakat and the Abu Salah's murders and the pain the Muslim community is currently processing, he believes his documentary's themes are critical to engage with. Frankly, I can't imagine a more timely and relevant film. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Brighton McConnell. Thank you, Brighton. You can find a print version of that story over on Chapelboro.com. Turning from film news to music news now, you may be aware that every weeknight at 6 p.m., 97.9 The Hill hosts live and local, an hour of local music from artists in the Triangle, mostly just from Orange and Durham counties. Chapel Hill music scene, of course, famously had its heyday back in the 90s with bands like Ben Folds 5 and Squirrel Nut Zippers. The scene today is as vibrant as ever with an explosion of local artists just in the last few years. Speaking at our Forum on the Hill last week, musician Keenan Jenkins of XOXOK talked about why Chapel Hill kept him around after he graduated from UNC. You know, I had freedom. I could have gone anywhere. And I looked around and I had just started doing music here. And I realized that there was nowhere that I would rather be than here. The music scene is so robust. And what I didn't realize at the time, but I realized looking back, it's not only the musicians themselves, but the infrastructure that we have here. Mm. So not just that there are a bunch of cool bands, which there are, but there are record labels and music schools and great studios and all of that stuff to support musicians in their growth and their journey. And so that is the kind of thing that, that keeps me here. Even now when both my wife and I have remote jobs and we can live anywhere, but we choose here, and I choose here specifically because of that. Keenan Jenkins speaking there. You can listen back to the entire local music panel at chapelboro.com slash forum on the hill. Time now to talk sports. We'll start sports with some outstandingly good news. Former Tar Heel legend Julius Peppers was named yesterday as an inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Peppers, of course, had an All-American career at UNC in football, also had a couple fun portions of seasons on the basketball team. And back in 2001, he won the Bednarak Award for the best defensive player in the nation, then was drafted second overall by the Panthers, had a 16-year NFL career, made the Pro Bowl nine of those 16 years, ranks fourth all-time in the NFL in sacks, second all-time in forced fumbles, He's just the third UNC football player to make it to Canton, joining Chris Hanberger 
and the legendary LT Lawrence Taylor. Ceremony is set for August 3rd. Lots of Tar Heel teams in action this weekend, and it really got started yesterday. The men's tennis team shut out Elon 7-0. Heels will be hosting Georgia at 1 p.m. We've also got top-ranked women's tennis team. They are in action in Seattle for the ITA National Indoor Championships. They're facing Southern Cal. UNC softball had a heck of an opening. They got a uh, win against NCANT, but it wasn't just any win. It was a perfect game thrown by Britton Rogers. And it was also the first career win at UNC for Megan Smith Lyons as head coach. So it couldn't do it in better style than that with a perfect game pitched by your ace. So congratulations to UNC softball with a massive win. They've actually got another one tonight against Winthrop. So let's keep that momentum going. Tar Heel wrestling team also in action. They've got 19th ranked Pitt starting at 7 at Carmichael Arena. We've also got the men's golf team. They just had a brilliant outing as well yesterday. They shot 26 under par as a team in the first round of this tournament in Hawaii that's continuing today and tomorrow. We've also got Tar Heel swimming and diving up in Virginia for the Cavalier Invitational. Track and field's got two events up in Boston. They're at Boston University and Boston College. And the lacrosse season begins as well. Third-ranked women are on the road at James Madison. The men will be at Mercer. And finally, gymnastics will be facing NC State in Raleigh. That's on Sunday. And that just about wraps it up. Wait, we didn't talk basketball yet. Got the both the men's and women's team coming off losses and got some important games this weekend. Men still ranked third in spite of that upset against Clemson as new rankings haven't come out yet, but they're going to try to make things right against Florida, looking for a road win in Miami. Carolina still up a game over UVA in the ACC standings. Miami 6-6, six and six, but they just got shellacked by Virginia by 38 points in their last outing. I'm going to tip that one off at 4 p.m. We'll start our coverage at 2.30 with countdown to tip off with Brighton McConnell. Women's team has about as important of a game as you can get this weekend. They're in the midst of a three-game losing streak that they're hoping to snap by going into Durham to take on Duke. They've had a hard time putting the ball in the basket in the last several games. It's an issue head coach Courtney Banghart did discuss with Matt Krause in her weekly radio show. We have to be able to play in, in our transition look when we get some 1v1 against a retreating defense. Um, we're settling. We're not using our change of pace or playing off two or kind of having any sort of nuance at the rim. So we're getting contested uh, with straight hands. You know, our post players, uh, Maria in particular, has to score down in the paint when she's got 1v1. And then we've got to be more shot ready. You know, I think we're still kind of probing a little bit too much. So, you know, we've got to make shots. I liked a lot of the ones that we took, and that's kind of our job is to put them in a position where the, they take the right shots, the right guys. Um, and then, as I always say, you win games, a team that makes the least mistakes and a team that makes the most plays. Uh, and so we're 0 for 2 in the last two games of that. That phrase, you use it sometimes, shot ready. For those that may not know, what does that mean? Oh, hands and feet behind the ball. You're talking to someone who, I, I played college basketball with two ideas, shoot till you're hot. And when you're hot, you just keep shooting. Keep shooting. So hands and feet behind the ball. I mean, I told them, I used to walk around the class like this, always ready to shoot. So we just got to keep having hands and feet ready on the perimeter. Courtney Banghart speaking there, Tar Heels and Duke, Sunday at 2 o'clock. We'll have the action for you here on 97.9 The Hill as we are your flagship station for Tar Heel Sports. Our pregame coverage begins at 1.30.